0: This podcast was made possible thanks to Drama Victoria. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are speaking about Malthouse's 2020 production of The Importance of Being Earnest by Oscar Wilde. I sit down with Tim Roach to talk about this exciting production. Tim Roach is one of the members of Drama Victoria's Committee of Management and works at Brunswick Secondary College. Please note, this episode was not recorded in the studio, and so the audio quality is not as high as it usually is. Without any further ado, I bring you Tim Roach on The Importance of Being Earnest. But let us welcome to the podcast, Tim Roach. Hi Nick, thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure having you. You've recently gone and seen the importance of being earnest at Malthouse, correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. I saw it about a couple of weeks ago, I think. It just opened when I saw it.
0: And I hear it's a pretty fantastic show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of versions of The Importance of Being Earnest over the years. I've seen sort of modernised ones and more traditional ones, and this was very different to any of those uh, shows that I'd seen before.
0: Yeah, well, the whole thing with The Importance of Being Earnest, I'm, I'm the same, I've seen so many different versions, is Oscar Wilde wrote this comedy of manners uh, that kind of turns a little bit farcical in relation to the uh, the mistaken identity, or con- not really mistaken, but confusions of who exactly Ernest is. And then this company has gone along or gone ahead and made a kind of modern farce out of it by going from a a comedy of manners lampooning the rich to a a farce that is just heightened, exaggerated comedy for the whole time. Is that basically right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's as heightened uh, for the entire time. Certainly it builds considerably, but by the end, it's full-blown farce. You know, you may as well be watching noises off.
0: Yeah, okay. Do you think it builds on purpose?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I thought uh, initially, I thought sort of the timing of some of the changes of character. For those that potentially haven't seen the show, I suppose, uh, the main difference here is that everyone, every character, uh, I think there's about seven or eight characters in the original script. Uh, and all of those characters are played by the same two men who change costume on stage and sort of each character is represented with different costume items, um, so very, very clever. I was a bit concerned with the timing initially. Uh, because the transformations were very, very slow out of the gate. The actors changed their roles in a way which was very deliberate and very um, elongated, whereas uh, towards the end, they were sort of happening 30 to a minute almost. Perhaps that's hyperbole. but
0: Quite an incredible contrast from the start to the end of the piece. Absolutely, and really nice, like
1: development of that sort of humour. By the end of the by the end of the performance, we were well well familiar with the form of changing character and that kind of thing. I, I, I would like to think that the intention was to make sure that it was very clear what they were doing at the at, at the beginning, so that we would be used to it by the end and and be able to see that they were having fun with it.
0: So the context of the original script is it kept intact? Like although there were two actors playing all the roles, that they're still keeping it of the time.
1: Very much so. I mean, if it weren't for the fact that there were two actors playing all of the roles, it would be fairly indistinguishable from most other interpretations of uh, the importance of being owned, I think.
0: Oh, do, you, do you think the two actors playing multiple roles mean something in terms of a modern audience watching it? Like, do you think the play is so old and so well-loved and so well-known that this is this is a logical step for the piece? Or do you think it says more, more about the piece than that?
1: I don't think it's necessarily a logical step. I think that uh, certainly we're much more used to actors playing multiple roles in one performance. And we're very used to uh, transformation as a technique. Um, certainly anyone that studies drama will will know that uh, as well. But uh, I think that particularly the themes of uh, identity and um, who's who. That's that's the whole thing, is that the characters are so befuddled by uh, who Ernest is, and it's really a case of mistaken identity. And I think just having those two actors play those roles, or play all of those roles, rather, um, worked really nicely just to reinforce that kind of idea and and make it even more ridiculous that one person is saying, oh, that's Ernest. Uh, No, it's not, whereas it may be Ernest later on, you know.
0: Yeah, so you can be all kinds of different Ernests. Uh, so the play, in a way, has been modernised. It hasn't been recontextualised. It's it's still set where, where the playwright originally set it, but it has been modernised in terms of its style. It's no longer a comedy of manners. It is now a farce, or do you think it still is a comedy of manners?
1: I think just because it was still set in that definite sort of um, older time period with those really clear status roles. I think you still definitely could consider it a comedy of manners, but there's definite farcical element. I mean, I think the main way that it was modernised was adding all of these new conventions, um, which we're so au fait with now, those um, Brechtian uh, techniques of um, changing character on stage, uh, changing costume on stage, et cetera.
0: And there has been some conversation about the the use of Brecht and epic theatre, and I have my own personal opinions about conventions versus intentions, but do you think this was a Brechtian show that they wanted the audience to be aware of a play they were watching and go and change the world?
1: Uh, Maybe it sounds, maybe it sounds a little bit, banal but I actually just think that they wanted it uh, wanted to do that for entertainment value to make it a little bit different to make it really entertaining I don't necessarily think that they were trying to reinforce a specific political message so I would never go so far as to call it um, Brechtian personally though I can see how you could justify that if you were writing about it, I suppose, but I think there's certainly stronger choices in terms of performance styles, like as, as we've been saying, you know, modern farce or, or comedy of manners, anything like that. I think that simply because we are so familiar with these ideas, which were, you know, pioneered by older, um, by older practitioners, Brecht, uh, Toe, Grotowski, even absurdists like Beckett um, and other playwrights. I mean, we've had, hundred years of really big theatrical change but by this point we're really used to that that format of small cast people playing multiple characters people showing multiple locations within a very small um space of time which just wasn't done back then so i think yes i think to apply a modern lens yes they use conventions from Uh, or that may have been pioneered by Brecht or that may have been particularly attributed to to epic theatre, I don't necessarily know that I would go right ahead and call it a piece of epic theatre.
0: In your opinion, what is or what are the most distinct theatrical elements of this interpretation? Would you say it is that two men are playing all the roles or is there something else on stage that really catches the eye?
1: Well, I think the two actors playing... Uh, all of the roles is really the most distinctive part about the production, and that's really what Malthouse is going to hang its hat on. Um, I think that there was a lot to be said in terms of the late 19th century set design. They really had a lot of attention to detail uh, as far as that goes. And there were a lot of really nice, humorous moments, you know, where he uh, shut the fridge door and um through the cucumber sandwiches behind it there were some really nice moments where they would come back to that and play around with different elements of the set um i think the costume design as well was actually really fantastic there's a lot to be said about that because they had to design costumes which were not only um really fantastic and and of the time but they also had to be really distinctive in terms of how the in terms of how uh each character was represented because these two men were putting on a costume. And in some cases, it was a very elaborate dress. In other cases, it was just a jacket. Uh, but each of those costumes needed to be really distinct, as did obviously the actors use the expressive skills um, to actually embody that character. Um, by the end of it, they were not using the full costume. They might have just a part of the skirt or just one of the hats. Uh, and those that was how they sort of manipulated... Uh, those rapid costume and character changes, I think that served to reinforce the idea that um, the barriers between these characters were breaking down a little bit. Um, We understood a little bit more about uh, who Ernest actually is and uh, they had taken away a whole lot of those um, costumes. I mean, it it was really a nice metaphor, I thought.
0: Do you think... The, the these elements, these distinct moments, this costume design, this set design, the two actors playing the role, do you think that helped the audience understand the main themes of the play? I mean, it's all about who is Ernest. Two actors playing all those roles, does that help with that theme of mistaken identity?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at some points, uh, while they do a really good job, at some points it's, it is a little bit, who's that, who's that? Oh, that guy was playing that character before. Oh, now they've swapped. Uh, great. Now he's playing Lady Bracknell. Oh, now it's back to him. And um, with all of those those characterizations, the actors sort of had to do a really nice give and take. And it was a very much a giving of identity and a receiving of that role. So I think definitely that was uh, that was the intention. If I if I had to um, pick it,
0: we know that the intention of this piece is to entertain. And there are you know a myriad of different theatrical styles that are meant to entertain. That's their whole purpose: Elizabethan theatre, commedia dell'arte there are many that are are fast, there are so many uh, theatrical practitioners and movements that are all about entertainment. Would you say that was the number one most important thing going on here? Everything was just towards entertainment?
1: Well, I can't speak for the creative team, of course, but I was certainly entertained and I don't necessarily think there was a particular um, real deep message that was there to be uncovered. Uh, I'm a really big believer that some things are meant to be fun and I think this was certainly meant to be fun and it really was
0: great so uh, we have these new elements of a uh, theater composition that we uh, are teaching and talking about and and working with this cohesion motion rhythm emphasis contrast variation i think we might give an example for each but do you think one of them was most present
1: look i think rhythm without a doubt was probably the standout uh element of theatre composition for me. I think the way that they manipulated uh, tempo of the performance, which, as I mentioned before, started out with these very slow, measured, deliberate um, transformations of character. An actor would come out walking very slowly with a new costume and a new persona, um, which then gradually sped up and sped up and sped up until at the end when it was just this, cacophony of changing characters costume pieces lying all over the ground it was a much faster pace and it really like hammered home that climactic moment of um who who am i oh i'm Ernest. great
0: and cohesion we talked a little bit about the 1895 setting and how the set and the costumes really worked together for that do you think the the acting and the costumes and the set did they all work cohesively
1: yeah, I definitely think that they did. The costumes and the actors particularly, there was a lot of interplay between them. There were a lot of moments that were heavily dependent on timing of uh, when a particular character gets changed. And I have to say the stage managers behind would have been working very hard. They would have been getting their money's worth uh, through this show,
0: I think. Because comedy of manners and farce, they're kind of all about where you are, who's there when you when you turn up, who's behind that door who's going to come through and where are we going to be seen? Is where the actors in the space and motion important for importance of being used? Yeah,
1: I definitely think that they were because, of course, you've got uh, only one entrance. Those that have seen the show would know that all of the characters basically come on from the middle. Uh, evidently, there were people behind assisting with costume changes and that kind of stuff, but they did enter through the centre. So where people were in relation to that and in relation to the other actor that was on stage really said a lot about their relationship uh, to those characters. They were very close together, like Cecily and Algernon were. Um, that has a very different meaning uh, to Lady Bracknell, standing tall and proud, but quite far away from, uh, from the others on stage, being very intimidating, looming. With a, I mean, she had this huge sort of headpiece and quite a large bodice, which uh, certainly implied a, a sense of power.
0: All right, we talked a bit about rhythm Um, and emphasis. That might be tricky in this one. Obviously the emphasis was on the costume changes from what you've said to me, but were there there other moments of emphasis in the piece?
1: Uh, It is a bit of a hard one to to look at. I think think the main um, element of emphasis is going to be really the breakdown of all of those characters in terms of the costumes devolving over the course of the performance, in terms of the audience just really understanding that interplay between the characters and how they shifted so rapidly.
0: Uh, contrast and or variation, I know they are different but can sometimes be spoken about together. Uh, con- the contrasting of the rhythms, the contrasting of the, of the characters of Lady Bracknell's status, the contrasting of the energy. Are these all the things that were contrasted throughout the show or were there actually set elements, lighting elements, sound elements that had contrast in them as well?
1: Look, the lighting, the lighting remained pretty stable throughout the performance. Um, didn't change a huge amount, but I think certainly as we've spoken about, the contrast from the beginning of the performance through to the end uh, was enormous, and we see the characters go on a bit, oh, well, re- really not the characters, but the actors. We see them go on a journey uh, from the beginning to the end, and that's uh, so beautiful to watch. Um, I think that in terms of contrast just those really big, strong characters, uh, the use of energy within the, and that's where I'm talking about variation alongside contrast, but the actors' uh, use of energy and focus and timing, uh, they really had to take on uh, every aspect of a particular character just to show who they were and what they were uh, and what they were feeling uh, outside of the costumes. So that was, uh, they were often very contrasting. I mean, I spoke before about, um, Thessaly and Algernon, but seeing how they were different to uh, their pairs within the show, being Gwendolyn and Jack, um, which were very different, again, to, say, Lady Bracknell and the Servant. So...
0: Yeah. Okay, look at that. And the last one, variation, that is obviously the variation between the characters those two actors played. I mean, their whole job as actors then was to really clearly illustrate the slight differences and large differences between the characters they played. Cecily to Gwendolyn, Jack to um, uh, Algernon, those even subtle differences had to be clear. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It was rare that the character, oh, actually, I don't even think that it happened where Jack played Algernon and vice versa. Um, but certainly they would take on the roles of different um, characters within the performance. I think a lot of the variation um, within this interpretation was to heighten the comedy, was to heighten those elements of fast that maybe weren't there before um, and really make it just hilarious. And again, that journey of the actors is is, is so vital to that.
0: Also, thank you very much for your time today, Tim Roach. Thanks very much, Nick. That is all from us at The Aside. We have a range of episodes in the bank, so feel free to go through those and find one that piques your interest. We also have a range of playlists that you can choose from, so if you would like to cater your listening to theatre styles or rehearsal room tips, you can go ahead and do that. We have 13 different playlists for you to choose from. If you would like to ask us a question, please do not hesitate to do so at asidepodcast@outlook.com. At thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here, to Aaron Searle for providing the music, to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support, and of course, thank you for listening.